This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It is a TGIF edition of Daybreak here on the Built by Bama online podcast. Travis Schreier, Senior Analyst for BOL, with you three times per week. This one, your favorite, has to be your favorite edition of Daybreak. It's the one leading into another weekend. It is Friday, January the 31st, 2020. We are headed into a Super Bowl weekend. We got a lot of stuff to get to here on Daybreak. We're going to be joined a little bit later on in the podcast by Charles Power, the national analyst for 247sports.com. Of course, earlier in the week at 247sports.com, we had the latest reveal of the top 247 prospect rankings for the 2020 recruiting cycle some nice jumps made by Bryce Young Will Anderson the outside linebacker signee Timothy Smith the big defensive tackle signee for Alabama so we'll get into some of that with Charles Power coming up later in the podcast not only that we'll take you behind the curtain a little bit what goes into rankings updates and how they sort of come together a uh, community-type effort by five individuals specifically, Charles being among that quintet. And we'll talk with Charles about sort of the logistics and nuts and bolts that go into the top 247 rankings there at 247sports.com. On Saturday at Coleman Coliseum, you're going to have Alabama men's basketball. Crimson Tide limps home to Tuscaloosa following that 14-point loss on Wednesday night to the LSU Tigers. LSU now 7-0 and in conference play. With the loss, Alabama drops to 4-3 and in the league. You have an absolute logjam in that fourth position, that tied for fourth spot there in the SEC standings after the midweek play. Alabama, one of those six teams at 4-3. and And when you look at what's coming up for this team – you're going to have a 4-3 and three in the league Arkansas team coming to Tuscaloosa tomorrow night. Eric Musselman's team coming off a disappointing home loss to a surging South Carolina team, a two-point loss for the Razorbacks in that one. And then Tuesday of next week, you're going to have the Tennessee Vols at 4-3 and three in the league coming to Tuscaloosa. That's going to be a Tuesday night affair instead of that Wednesday night that Alabama has mostly been in tune with here in a league play when it comes to midweek. So some critical games, no doubt about it. Uh, Alabama still very much in the mix for a potential NCAA tournament at large bid, but these next three games are winnable. Need to take care of business. Uh, Arkansas at home, Tennessee at home, and then a week from tomorrow, in Athens against a struggling Georgia team. So still get through this stretch, including the LSU loss at three and one. That puts you at 15 and eight. Uh, Then you got a really, really tall challenge of a week when you go to Auburn midweek, Valentine's week, and then LSU returns the game here in Tuscaloosa 
on February the 15th. So a lot of basketball still to be played for Nate Oates' team. Uh, We'll find out a little bit more about the maturity of this club because it wasn't pretty on Wednesday night in Baton Rouge. And a lot of credit to LSU. Trendon Wadford, the Mountain Brook product with a double-double of 17 and 15. You worried about Alabama's ability to hang in on the backboards in that game. That certainly came to fruition as LSU out-rebounds Alabama 49 to 31. And the free throw disparity. That's an area where Alabama has benefited greatly in, in a lot of games this season averaging 24 free throw attempts per game going into that game Wednesday night. Wasn't able to connect from the three-point arc, uh, beyond the three-point arc at a very efficient rate, just 26% from three. And then you combine that with just 10 trips to the free throw line, and you only make six of those, while LSU goes 19 of 20 from the charity stripe. And yeah, it all adds up to a 14-point loss. But you also have recruiting on campus this weekend from the football perspective. Hank Sal, Tim Watts, they're going to have you covered throughout the weekend right there at BamaOnline.com. A big junior day type of event this weekend. Go ahead and get a look at some of these prominent 2021 prospects uh, that are just right around the corner. So you're going to have that as well. Hank doing a great job along with Tim and keeping you up to date on the McKinley-Jackson recruitment. Nick Saban, Uh, The Alabama staff, obviously, maintaining close contact uh, in that regard. McKinley Jackson, just across the road here. Loosedale, Mississippi, trying to finish out this 2020 class with a McKinley Jackson, possibly an Alfred Collins, the defensive end from Texas. Uh, Ennis Rakestraw, the defensive back from the state of Texas, also in that mix as well. So still some loose ends to tie up for 2020. Uh, but certainly already simultaneously looking ahead to 20 and 21. So there you go. Super Bowl weekend upon us. Reggie Raglan of the Kansas City Chiefs. Garrick Dieter, also a practice squad member of that Kansas City Chiefs team. So if you're all about associating your favorite college team and or program to an NFL team, that's probably your route because the Niners got nobody from Alabama. Uh, on that roster I'm sort of pulling for the Niners though I like the old school approach I like getting it done with defense I like the running game Uh, my heart sides with the Niners on Sunday my head tells me you never go against the dynamic quarterback in this era of football and of course that would be Patrick Mahomes should be a good game though Sunday evening down in South Florida. With that, we're going to shift gears. When we come back, we are going to check in with Charles Power, national analyst for us there at 247sports.com. We're going to talk about the rankings process with our network, how that sort of comes together. We're going to talk about the move made by Bryce Young to number one overall in the top 247 player rankings for the 2020 cycle. We're going to talk some Will Anderson. We're going to talk some Timothy Smith. We're also going to get into Drew Sanders a little bit with Charles. Drew Sanders, an incredible athlete at 6'5", 230 pounds, can really impact both sides of the ball. Where does Charles see Drew Sanders maybe doing his best work? We'll ask Charles about that. When BOL Daybreak on a Friday returns on the Built by Bama online podcast right after this. 
And we are joined right now by Charles Power, national analyst for us there at 247sports.com. Charles, one of the more famous, or maybe it's infamous, depending <laughs> on your perspective of the latest reveal of the top 247 rankings. Uh, Charles, as we bring you on here, uh, do, you, do, you, do, you, do you shut down the DMs maybe for a few days? <laughs> Things like that after after that updated top two four seven rankings come out. Yeah, I it, it's it's probably not as bad as it seems. Like I, I don't unless it's like something that's like personal. Like most of the I feel like most of the stuff we can explain. So I think as long as you're transparent about it, um, I actually kind of enjoy like explaining our thought process. Um, but, um, you know, it, it maybe I would say at times it could get frustrating when you felt like you've explained it and then it's not being digested. Um, but, uh, it's, it's, it's probably not as bad for, at least I, I don't take it as, as badly as, um, as it maybe seems from the outside. Yeah. Objectivity is something that we as sports fans in general, whatever team we're a fan of, you know, we struggle with that from time to time. So it's understandable. And at the end of the day, right. It's passion being exuded right. and, and displayed, and that's that's really what what we're in the business of as much as anything. No doubt, we're trying to be accurate in every assessment we make, whether it's recruiting rankings, whether it's uh, you know analyzing a team on a daily basis, like we do at BamaOnline.com. Um, it, it, it's still serious, serious business at the end of the day, and that's kind of where I wanted to start with you today. Mm-hmm. Um, Tell us how it, it, it basically works. There's, there's, there's five of you, right, that are pretty much uh, kind of the continuous evaluators of, of players and cycles and sort of how that, how that comes together. And I think what a lot of people don't understand, too, Charles, is that uh, it's continuous. I mean, these, these things are dropped periodically, uh, but it's, it's really a day-to-day, almost hour-to-hour type situation with all these guys that you're trying to evaluate. Yeah, for sure. It's so like our, I guess they call it like the rankings council. There's, there's five of us. It's Barton Simmons, Steve Wiltfong, uh, Brandon Huffman and Greg, Greg Biggins and, and me. Um, and we communicate really almost like daily throughout the year. Um, and we have four, I think four major ranking updates, uh, for, for like the cycle kind of once after like signing days so kind of through their senior year. So we have like the one, um, the, the, the initial one. So for the upcoming class of 2021, that'll be within the next month. Um, that that's really probably the, one of the biggest overhauls cause that's the, that's the post junior year list. Um, we have one kind of in the spring, we have one, uh, like kind of, I guess, July kind of preseason after you have your, like your big, like the opening camps and stuff like that. And then we have, um, then we have our final one after all-star games after the season. And during the season, we really try to update it weekly or biweekly. Uh, this, this year I, I was kind of going through and just like auditing each position um, and trying to just make sure we kind of had our ducks in a row there. And then uh, at least had the guys who we thought should be four stars as four stars and three stars as three stars and, um, and, and just kind of really set the table for for the last one. And really um, – I like for, for these major releases, kind of what we do is like, we'll get on a conference call for, it'll be a couple hours a day for maybe a, a week or more. And we'll basically just get in a spreadsheet and kind of just take the list apart and, and put it back together player by player. So it can be, it can be pretty uh, uh, exhausting from, from that perspective, but we've kind of found that's the best way to do it. 
Um, and we just slot the players like that and then we'll go back and review, um, the list and see if we need to tweak anything. Um, but, but that's probably the best way instead of, um, instead of maybe keeping players static based off like an early sophomore ranking, that's really kind of more of a guess than anything, especially when we've seen them so often late into their senior years. And Charles, obviously we look at the top two, four, seven rankings and they're numerically rated ranked in that order. Um, and, and when that's done in relation to star status, is there is there anything given to to that, or is that just sort of how it works out? If you're a, if you end up jumping up uh, fifty plus spots, like say Will Anderson did, or Timothy Smith did in this Alabama class, and you just so happen to fall into that range of being a five star, that's that's the association that goes with it. Is it is it basically based upon where you slot these guys numerically or is there consideration given to to the prestige that comes with i mean because that's that's what we say you know we, we don't always say that's the number 47 overall player in the 247 we say he's a four right. star or a five right. star you, you know where i'm going with that yeah w- yeah that that's a good question we, we, we definitely do draw like we when we're putting it together we like do the five stars first on, on the final update that's really the main thing and that's that was kind of Probably our, our longest deliberation. I think we we were on you know, kind kind of the last five stars. The, the last two years, really, most of our discussion has been on who's going to be the final couple five stars more so than who's the number one player. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that that's for sure. And I think it's just such it's kind of like it's kind of a hefty, uh, you know, label. So we we, we probably vet those five stars harder. Than, than anything else. Um, I think this year we had probably uh, there's 32 five stars. I think this year we probably had 37, I think that were considered. So probably the next five out were the, the five that probably had the, the most, um, the most discussion on, on potentially being a five star. And, and for us, it was really kind of like kind of trying to balance, um, kind of mitigating the risk of you, you don't really want to prospect to a five star who you think, has a, has a really low floor because you it just doesn't look as good when if they if they kind of flame out but also too you don't want to miss on a guy who has a really high ceiling either so it's kind of a, a balancing act with that and it's it, and it was it's the same with four stars a little bit as well um i think you're with, with a four star you can take more of a an upside shot um with, with with those guys but but we at after we put the the top two four seven together we had a list of you know, maybe 30, 40 four-star candidates that we were going to add. And we kind of went through, went through each of those guys and um, then, then added them. I think we typically have around 350 uh, four and five stars each cycle. So that's kind of how we do it. Wow. Uh, Charles, let me ask you this. I, I got to ask you about Bryce Young because he not only uh, goes from number three, I guess, in the previous top two, four, seven to the top overall spot, moves ahead of a couple of Clemson uh, commitments in the process. Uh, DJ Unga Elalele, I believe I yeah. said that somewhat close U- to correctly. Yeah, it's, it's Ui, Ui Unga Lele. Ui Unga Ale. Yeah. Look, I, we can relate here. We, we've had two <laughs> Tonga Vailoas here yeah. in the last three years. So uh, DJ uh, is up there still in the number two spot, but uh, kind of switch spots Bryce Young did with Brian Brise. 
the outstanding defensive line commitment signee for the Clemson Tigers. Uh, ultimately, what went into that decision to go ahead and move Bryce up to number one overall? Yes. Yeah, so, so the way we kind of framed the discussion was we thought if it was close, we probably need to have a quarterback number one just because there's so much positional value. And we're trying to, you know, we're, we're ultimately projecting, um, kind of comparing it with the NFL draft and in the, in really just in football in general, there's just so much value, like quarterbacks, the most valuable, valuable position in sports. So I think you have to assign, uh, you know, some kind of weight to that and, 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 and if they're close. So it really kind of, for me, the discussion kind of came down to, do we think Brian Brzee is, um, kind of, uh, like, like generational, I guess, like Frank, like super franchise type of defensive lineman. Uh, basically is he the second best defensive line prospect since Judavion Clowney? Uh, that would be on our wow. rating scale. So that would, that would, that was kind of the discussion and we kind of landed on, he's in that discussion, but probably not like, like a, a player like miles Garrett, a prospect like miles Garrett had the same one one rating. Um, so it, it was close enough to where we felt like we needed to go to the quarterback and I think we all kind of agreed that we we sided with, with, with Bryce Young, which really I, I was honestly a little surprised that Bryce Young ended up being the consensus number one quarterback in the cycle um, over DJ, especially considering DJ, I think, was ranked ahead of him by most for most of the process. So I think it was just kind of seeing those guys head to head and really tight. You can make a case. I, I wouldn't be shocked if any of these top three go number one in the draft at some point. Um Shoot, I mean, if they aren't in the same draft, you could have maybe multiple number one overalls. Uh, so uh, it, it's pretty, it's pretty close. But I think with Bryce too, one thing that 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 has helped him is just kind of the way the, the direction the game's moving. If you look at, um, you know, obviously the the stature for quarterbacks doesn't matter as much. We had a five ten quarterback go first overall two years ago, um, or I guess last last year, and then and then kind of what what's valued at the position with his instincts and how just loose he he plays how quick he goes through his progressions he's not handles pressure really well uh and and he he is the most accurate quarterback in in the class and that's something if you look at a joe burrow uh who you know is probably gonna be the number one pick this year in in the draft he's not a guy who has a a wow arm and and I, i honestly think bryce's arm and physical attributes match up pretty well like like with with a guy like Tua so um it, it, it's not like he's lacking there at, at all it's probably just comparing him to to DJ who probably has I would say I I can't think of a, a prospect who has like a, a stronger arm kind of more arm talent than him um at the quarterback position at least in the last you know five or ten years couple of defensive guys in this Alabama class Charles Uh, take on five-star status in the most recent reveal of that top 247. Will Anderson, the weak side defensive end, outside linebacker type, uh, he's already on campus. Tim Smith, the big defensive tackle from the state of Florida. What was sort of working in their favors respectively and in making, like I said, 50-plus spot type jumps that they made? Yeah, I I think Will Anderson was primed to – be in the five-star conversation once we saw him in person it was first off it was really about seeing him in person that's kind of why he was in that you know 60 70 range we, we moved him up a little more based off his senior video just how impressive it was. i mean how impressive it was it was outstanding but we just he had never been to a recruiting event at camp or, or anything like the all-star game anything like that before so we wanted to see 
wanted to eyeball him and, and just kind of verify that and kind of had the hunch that, that he was one who could be a five-star. I think in, in Barton Simmons' article about you know guys who can make ranking moves, kind of previewing it into the week, I, I think he had Will Anderson in there. But even with those expectations coming in, he more than exceeded them. Uh, I, he was 6'3", six, six, 230. He has 34-inch arms. So he's very long. And, and we, we kind of knew the, the speed rush skill set with that. Like that was pretty evident coming into the game, but it was what was really kind of blew me away was his, his speed to power and how physical he was in addition to that, in addition to being probably the fastest guy off the edge there. Um, so he kind of has the complete skill set in terms of, uh, in terms of, you know, just natural pass rush ability. And I think once he get once he works on his technique and his moves, he's only going to get even better. So I think we, we came away from that week, just given how dominant he was and looking at his whole, you know, this whole entire body of work, we came away thinking he has to be the top edge player in the class. So that's, that was why he moved all the way up to number five. And, and with, with Tim Smith, we were kind of just, you know, comparing the defensive tackles. Um, he, he's one of maybe three players who we haven't, who we didn't see at, at like a, a major national camp or the, an all-star game to, to be a five-star. Um, and it was just kind of going back and looking at his senior year, um, kind of cross-referencing with, with, with people in the network who have seen him play in person um, and, and just kind of relying on all of that feedback. He, I mean, he had a monster senior season. He really kind of came out as a, he was a different player as a senior. He uh, lost a bunch of weight. Um, if, if you watch the video, it's, it's really impressive with just how quick he is off the ball. I think he had like 35 tackles for loss. So um, in, in probably like 10 games. So he was just really dominant. And we thought just, kind of going in those last couple spots. He initially, like, I think we did like 27, 26 five stars that we all were like consensus ones for us. And then we, when we get to the next group, uh, everybody kind of agreed that Tim Smith was one too. So that's kind of how he, how he slid in there. I think he was ended up, ended up being um, 28. So, yeah, you, you talk about exposure throughout the process, whether it's camps, uh, whether it's for skill players, seven on seven type opportunities, uh, but the all-star games that, that sort of cap the process, um, the, the last impression, uh, as we know, can be a lasting one. Uh, Alabama had a couple of guys, Jace McClellan, Drew Sanders, I guess, that based on the, the incredible you know, length of schedules or how many games a guy or guys in the state of Texas can in, ultimately end up playing in a playoff run uh, mm-hmm. over there. Um, does that can that impact guys in a, in a negative way if, if you don't get that last shot to see them, especially in a collection of of players of like ability and talent? I, I would say no one's penalized for not for not being in, in an all star game. Like for instance, like like you know Will Anderson or um, Tim Smith wasn't in one. Uh, we had Demarcus Bowman was a five, was made a five star. He wasn't in one either. Um, and, and Drew Sanders, I would say was probably the highest rated player that, that wasn't in one. I think maybe from the, I can't speak for like the, from the composite purposes, we're higher on Drew Sanders than, than the composite. Um, but I think it gives others an opportunity to move up. I think when you look at, when you look at the players who, you know, kind of made those big jumps with within the five star range, they were all ones who really kind of had, um, you know, dominant showings at, at, at the all-star events. And it's just something you can't, like, you can't really I- ignore it. And, and really everybody, when, when we're talking about like these five stars, um, they, they almost all have 
really strong senior seasons. Um, kind of the the athletic athleticism markers they they almost all have, and then um, so so that so the All Star game can really kind of work as as a tiebreaker, especially when you're viewing them in in like on the same field with with all of these other players too. So um, I I think uh, it didn't it definitely. No, no one was penalized for it. I think with Drew Sanders too, we saw so much of his high school season and, and career at, at a high level. Uh, there really wasn't a question, even though he he wasn't at any of those national events. Um, there really wasn't much of a question on him as a player or just kind of his talent level. Uh, it, it was really kind of we were just I would say like one of the tightest discussions we had was kind of those those linebackers at right right outside the top ten: Justin Flo, Trent Simpson, Drew Sanders. Um, kind of trying to compare all of those guys, and and Drew Sanders is kind of interesting projection too with with his position and his where versatile you, skill where, set. Where, where do you like Drew Sanders best, big picture wise? I wanted to ask you that. Yeah, because he is um, an athlete. Yeah, so you know he was started his career as as a quarterback, um, and you know I think he was probably going to play when he was committed to Oklahoma was probably going to play tight end, and then you know at, at Alabama I would imagine he's going to be on the defense side of the ball i honestly kind of it would depend on the team and the offense or, or defense i was putting him into but i kind of like him more a, a, a little bit at, at tight end because i just think he's so athletic with the ball in his hands i mean he he was lining up at receiver at 6'5, 230 i think he's just kind of has that um that ability to kind of be a game changer there if he was if he was a if you were going to feed him the ball uh, right. I, I would I, I would edge on tight end now if, if he was just gonna if you're gonna line him up in line and just if he was gonna end the season with 600 yards I probably wouldn't put him there uh, but I, and I think I kind of almost like him to um, maybe a little he played defensive end as a senior I like him probably a little more standing up uh, on defense um, I, I think his skill set on defense right now is probably more uh, better off in like a pursuit than as a pure pass rusher he makes if you watch him he he really shines when he can use his speed and effort level in like chasing down plays more so than right. um just, just blowing blowing guys off the edge there you go charles power national analyst for us there at 247sports.com proud bol alum by the way yeah. i think charles did his undergrad and masters in recruiting coverage with us <laughs> there at BamaOnline.com. Hey, Charles, thanks for the time, as always. Have a great weekend, my man. Thanks, Travis. Charles Power, thank him for joining us. Thanks to you as well for listening in to a Friday edition of BOL Daybreak. Have a great weekend. We'll catch you again on Daybreak on Monday.